Hello and welcome to the PhD Podcast. My name is Mitch. I'll be taking you through the weeks, months, however long it's been since we've had one of these that were in the Pittsburgh-based hockey scene. We've got an action-packed show here today. I've got Matt Mamros coming talking about around the region and everything that's going on uh, with the Robert Morris women and beyond as we talk, look at Erie and all the other uh, local teams that we can talk about. Uh, a couple milestones happened this weekend. We'll discuss with him a little bit later. Gary Heeman's coming in to talk about the Robert Morris men and a big victory, uh, I believe, yesterday. We're recording this on Sunday at the island over RIT in the comeback fashion. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Ed Major is going to come on, and we're going to talk ACHA and a little bit more PIHL with you. But I'm going to open up here with the PIHL, and we're not going to go too far away because it is now officially the push for the PIHL postseason. And as I do every week, we talk about the how each team is going to need to get into the playoffs. And I do release that every week on the website as our playoff push feature on berghockey.com. And I'm just going to touch on it real fast here. We're going to go through a couple of the, the bigger st- um, stretches that are going to be in case here. And we're going to start in Class B this week. And we're going to talk about that race for the final spot, two spots in Class B South as Ringgold and Carrick have both clinched home games in the first round. Now it's up for the next four to figure out two spots, and it couldn't be any tighter than it is right now. Elizabeth Forward, of course, leading the way with 15 points and 14 games played. I mean, they have four games in hand as they play 18 games in that division. Morgantown right on their tail. They're tied with 15, but one less game for the Mohawks. Bishop Canavan had temporary hold on that position, but Elizabeth Forward and Morgantown each got... Sorry, Morgantown got a victory this past weekend, so they moved into that fourth spot, and Connellsville right there with them, 13 points for the Falcons. Time's starting to run out for some of these teams, though, and the numbers game is going to start catching up on a lot of them. Elizabeth Forward looks like they're in good shape. Uh, They're not going to have too much trouble getting in due to those four games played. Morgantown would be the next one, I would say, as close as they have the same amount of games as Connellsville with a two-game lead. And Bishop Kahneman, it's just going to be a struggle to find a postseason now, especially after their big win over Morgantown last week. Unfortunately, that's due to the fact that the Bishop Kahneman Crusaders have played the most games uh, as in the teams that are rushing for that position. Trinity has been eliminated at this point. They can't finish any higher than their position in seventh in the, in the standings. So the Hillers are going to look towards next season. Um, it's going to be a nice little uh, stretch there for those four teams to see who's going to come out of that. If I had to put money down right now, it's going to be the ones that are already in right now. It's going to be Elizabeth Ford and Morgantown filling out those positions. They're going to be heading off to Neshanik and Avonworth. If Avonworth can hold on to their, their position, they just need to get one point I mean, one win and a Wilmington loss will give them the home game. Nishanik's already clinched that number one seed in the north, and they will host whoever's the four seed in the south. They play cross uh, playoffs, one versus four and two versus three. So you'll know your opponent before you know it. Uh, you know where you're going to end up if you're any of those lower teams. You're coming closer to Pittsburgh in the south, and you may be heading north 
in Class B. If, that, if Wilmington can make a little bit of a run here, you don't know what's going to happen. Wilmington could p bypass uh, Avonworth, and we could have a doubleheader up at Hess Ice Rink. But as of right now, it looks like Avonworth just needs to get a win and a Wilmington loss to be able to hold on to it. And Wilmington, of course, let's see if they have anybody this week. They have Burl this week, who's fighting for their lives with Central Valley. Um, Central Valley has a game in hand, but it's down four points on the Bucks. They play 17 games in that division. So uh, you got to pay attention to how they all roll out in that one. Uh, we'll move over to Class A right now, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on there. Your clinch teams are, of course, North Catholic and Blackhawk in Northeast. Northwest is already taken care of as Beaver can't catch up to the Blackhawk Cougars. And uh, North Catholic had already clinched basically the number one seed since almost Christmas. So it's uh, business as usual in that division. Thomas Jefferson, South Park, still battling in the Southwest, but it's starting to open up a little bit. TJ clinching a playoff berth, South Park getting closer. Um, looks like Thomas Jefferson to clinch the number one seed with a point or a South Park loss. Any combination will get them. The home game in the first round, South Park will have to head to North Catholic for their first game. Um, Blackhawks going to play Thomas Jefferson if they can clinch it up. So that one is pretty well set in, but kudos to North Hills and Chartiers Valley. Both teams are going to finish over 500 on the year. Uh, North Hills 10-6 on the year, 21 points. Chartiers Valley 9-5, 0 They each have a, a shootout loss on, that, on the season, so 21 points for each of them, but Good bounce-back seasons for both North Hills and Chartiers Valley. Uh, North Hills had a good season last season. However, um, it was a little bit of a rough patch for both of them to start, but came on really strong late, made a run at it. Um, who knows what could happen? Something could happen with uh, South Park, and we could be uh, talking about North Hills and Chartiers Valley battling a little as we continue to move along. Everybody has three games left in that division. But uh doesn't look like it. Now, another race that we're paying attention to in the northeast is Kiskey, Indiana, and Fox Chapel. Freeport, of course, cannot uh, move into any position in the playoffs, so they, they're playing for pride right now. But Kiskey, Indiana, and Fox Chapel, two points separate first from third. Kiskey has a game in hand with 19 points. Indiana tied with them with 19 points. Fox Chapel just on both their tails with seven and seven and three record, uh, 17 points for the Foxes, and this can't get any tighter than you can imagine on this race. Uh, we won't know what's going to happen until possibly the final week here, and the big big news about that one is this week, Kiskey hosts Greensburg Salem, Indiana has Swickley Academy, and Fox Chapel has Freeport, so I'm not going to say the Greensburg Salem game is a winnable game for Kiskey. It's going to be tight because Greensburg Salem will talk in a second about that situation. But they're playing for their playoff lives right now. In a second, we'll discuss what's going on with them. But uh, that uh, Southeast is just getting more and more interesting. Of course, the Boers talk about the Northeast. Kiskey, Indiana, and Fox Chapel still battling hard for that number one seed and a playoff berth. One of those three teams isn't going to make the postseason. And it's a shame because they, they've all played very well this season so far. Then moving into that Southeast Division, back and forth, back and forth. You again, Bishop McCourt and Norwin tied 27 points on the year. Norwin having a phenomenal season uh, this season, of course, led by that really solid first line. Uh, McCourt, usually where they belonged, of course, last season, ineligible for the postseason. 
moved in, and you're going to look at them play 13 and two on the year with an overtime loss. Norwin 13 and three with an overtime loss on the year, and those two. McCourt has two games this week. They can uh, make they'll make up one. Norwin has North Hills, and Bishop McCourt has Greensburg, Salem, and they will head. So they head to South Park and they head to Greensburg, Salem this week. So it'll be big for Bishop McCourt. They can take a, a lead and get that game back in hand. However, you look at those games, Bishop McCourt and South Park, South Park, all they need to do is get a win to get into the postseason and hold on to their spot and eliminate the teams that are on their tail. And McCourt, they've got Greensburg-Salem. Greensburg-Salem has two straight games, Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, they play Kiski and then they play McCourt-Salem, of course, can knock um, Kiski down in their game in hand on Indiana and Fox Chapel. So... We'll look at it, and we'll see what's going to happen with those teams. It's going to be a fun one as Salem is just five points off the pace in the southeast. Uh, North Catholic has already clinched. Blackhawk faces the number one seed in the southwest. TJ, number one seed in the southwest. If they get a single point or any loss by South Park, South Park will be in with a win or a regu- regulation loss by either North Hills or Chartiers Valley this week. But by both of them, I'm sorry, not either of them. McCourt clinches with a win against Salem to get in and a win over South Park or, or a win over South Park and a Greensburg-Salem loss against Kiskey, they'll be in. Norwin can clinch playoff berth with a win and a regulation Greensburg-Salem loss. So it's starting to get closer and closer to where we're talking about teams clinching and holding on to their spots. Um... Big matchups this week. We'll talk about them. Bishop McCourt and South Park at seven on Monday. They'll uh, that's a battle between the Southeast and the Southwest uh, for that number two spot or a playoff berth, if you want to call it that way. Um, South Park needs it, and Bishop McCourt. I mean, they got two games this week to try to be able to sneak in here, and they just need that. You know, one will get them basically halfway there, and they just have to worry about the game against Greensburg Salem on Thursday, if that's the case. Um, Indiana Swickley Academy is a huge one. Uh, Indiana needs to win to stay in the Northwest, sorry, the Northeast Division. Thomas Jefferson, Chartiers Valley on Monday. Um, <laughs> you want to talk about a revenge game? TJ, the only loss on the season was to Chartiers Valley earlier this season. They'll be on the roadside at Ice Castle. Um, Norwin, North Hills, to stay in it. Um, that's another battle. North Hills trying to, st- to desperately stay in their division. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to see it. Um, Salem at Kiskey on Tuesday at 8.30 at Center Ice Arena. That's a big one for the Cavaliers to try to stay in that Northeast pack. Um, the Battle of Brady's Run on Thursday, that's just for pride, and that'll be a fun time had by all. That's always a good game between the two rivals that play out of the same rank. McCord at Salem is another huge one for that division. If McCord can't get the job done against South Park, they're going to need to win that contest to get into postseason. Otherwise, Greensburg-Salem is right on the back door of the postseason. If they can post up two wins this week and have McCourt drop both their games, it'll set it'll set them up to be only one point behind McCourt going into the final week of the season. So with a game in hand, especially. So no, sorry, not no games in hand on that one. They'll both have played 18 games. They'll have two games left for each team. Um, Norwin just needs a win and a Salem loss to get in there. So uh, those are the big games. Fox Chapel, of course, and Freeport. That's another big one this week against at Belmont. Fox Chapel needs that victory once again for the Northeast Division. 
we'll move into Class AA. And not a lot going on here right now, but we'll talk this week. There could be a lot going on. Um, in the northeast, northwest, I'm sorry, Quaker Valley and Meadville. Uh, here's the story of the northwest. Mars still has five games in hand on everybody. They're only back of Mars, I'm sorry, of Meadville by two points, and they're back of Quaker Valley by five points. They have three games in hand on Quaker Valley and three games in hand on Meadville. So don't don't roll out the planets yet. They're just getting started on the season. Um, they have the ability to win out and take the division. That That's the thing right now. Mars, a loss or a tie and a Quaker or any Quaker Valley win will give Quaker Valley a playoff berth. Meadville needs a lot of help with Mars having that many games in hand. The planets are going to have basically controlling control of their own destiny as they move along in the remaining couple weeks of the season. Only one other team, I believe, has more games than them, and that is the those are the Pine Richland Rams. So they have six games left in AAA, but we'll talk about them in a second. Um, Moon eliminated from this one. Rough season for the Tigers. Um, unfortunately, there's not much you can do about it. Baldwin in the southwest tied up the loose ends and now will take the number one seed uh, undefeated, 15-0 and on the year. 30 points for the Highlanders, and they will host the south, the northeast, northwest number two seed, whoever that may be at this point. Um, you don't know what's going to end up happening with that division at this point. South Fayette is out of it, but we're we're staring down as West A and Montour both have Baldwin left. If one of them can do the deed against the Highlanders, that one will probably be facing being able to jump into the postseason. Uh, it's been a stalemate between the two teams. The Indians and the Spartans just have not let each other go. They've tied their season series. They've split their games. And they, right now, they're staring down a qualifier game if neither a team can you know, blink here. They each have Baldwin, and then I believe each one has... I believe West Day has Franklin Regional and Baldwin. Franklin Regional... Uh, on Monday, we'll be there for Berg Hockey Live that week, and Montour has Baldwin, and I'll be there for that game. They're off this week, but they'll be back next week, and I can't, can't remember who their final game of the season is. I do believe it's it's some divisional game, but I have to go double-check that. No, they head to Penn Trafford. They head to Penn Trafford to close out the season. So Montour and West Day. West Day just uh, needs to beat Franklin Regional. And one of the teams takes their takes care of their business, but we'll talk about that Franklin Regional situation here in a second. Um, the easier routes for the Montour Spartans, if you look at how you know standings and how teams are playing, because Penn Trafford's not a pushover, but it's been a rough season. They lost Jack Hughes. Don't forget that. So it's going to be a little tougher for the Warriors as they move along. But uh, Montour has Penn Trafford and Baldwin. West Allegheny has Baldwin and Franklin Regional. So as we move along, West Allegheny will be closing their season up, I believe, next week. They'll be done early as they have, let's see who they have, West Allegheny. This week will be at Baldwin on Monday. Then the following Monday will be their last game of the year. And then they'll have a week off before the postseason. They've got a lot of time to, t to hang out. So does Montour. Montour's off this week. So we'll uh, discuss how everything's going as we move along. Now we're going to move along, and we're going to talk about the 
Southeast division and watch no sorry let's talk Northeast right now Plum and Armstrong have clinched a playoff berth in that division Shaler and Hampton can't get enough points to make it over one of those two um, I had a little bit of a conversation on Twitter about this unfortunately that's just how the cookie crumbles in this year um, of course Plum had some issues with their suspensions in a game against Moon and they had a rough stretch there. And Armstrong able to come back. Each team has two games left. And Armstrong kind of still has an opportunity to take the number one seed if they really feel like it. Plum, I mean, yeah, both teams have... Uh, Armstrong definitely will finish below 500 on the year. And Plum has a possibility to finish 9-7-0-1. So it's a possibility that they, uh, the Mustangs have, you know we'll be able to finish at 500 or worse for this season. And that's just the way that the division's lined up. I've had several conversations with the league about this. Um, the idea was that they wanted to make sure that they had a balance in the schedule this year, and this created the balance of every team being able to play uh, multiple games and play against their division. And then, you know, 18 to 20 games, the ideal schedule is a 20-game schedule. This division ended up with 18 because – of the balance that it was brought forth, and you can't you can't just force a schedule to be built the way it was, and you know that it was the best possible way to do it. You got AAA that had 11 teams. They would play one against the, you know two games against every team. Worked out for them. Maybe you look at it next year. You tweak it next year. Teams are going to move up. Teams are going to move down. You're going to have situations where you might have an unbalanced schedule. You might have divisions next year in AAA. Uh, as of this year, AA. It created a scenario where it was just easier. And when you look at the dynamic of how you have to run the postseason, you have to buy the ice and do all this other stuff based off of maybes or what ifs, uh, the top four seed getting a home, you know, the top four division winners getting a home team kind of worked out better for everybody. And that's just my assessment, not based off of anything that I was actually discussed about. Um, but it just definitely worked out easier for controlling it. And as you look at it, you know, Plum and Armstrong, yeah, they're going to battle for a home game, but they're going to have to face greater. The winner has to face the winner of between Hempfield and Franklin Regional, and the loser has to face Greater Latrobe. So at the end of the day, yeah, one of those two teams is not going to make it in the Southeast, and we'll talk about that in a second. But also, one of those teams isn't going to make it in the Southwest. And really, everybody knew what this was going into it and what it is right now. A lot less confusing than it can be with head-to-head -head tiebreakers and all this other stuff that's involved. Coin flips, penalty minutes. We're not going to have a penalty minute tiebreaker this year unless it's in AAA. And I'm not even starting to look at those until we got less than three games uh, for each team because that's just a really tight AAA division. And I'll talk about that in a second. Um, moving along, we're going to move down to the southeast and Greater Latrobe wrapped things up a while ago. Uh, and they're going to be the number one seed in that division. And Hempfield coming out of nowhere with a game in hand. They have four games remaining uh, on Franklin Regional, tied at 18 points. Penn Trafford not out of the woods yet. Three games left. They're back by three points on both of those teams. Going to need a lot of help between now and then. Of course, they have Montour coming up. i got to look at the remainder of their schedule to know what they are doing. But... Um, <laughs> They're not out of the woods yet when it comes to this division, uh, especially losing Hughes, and the uh, you know the team needs to step it up a little bit. 
and be able to make that run. And uh, you know what? They're a good, solid, young team, and I think they'll be able to in, in the future. They're, they're going to move along pretty nicely. Um, if you look at AA this year, only really three teams, four teams maybe, are going to finish at 500 or worse. It depends on what happens in Meadville and Mars. They're each two games under 500. And with the losses and everything, overtime losses. So it was a successful season, I think, for the for Double A so far. We'll see what happens. Off the Triple A, what can we say? Wild, 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 wild. Six teams have clinched to playoff berth so far: NA, Upper Saint Clair, Peters Township, Cannon McMillan, Cathedral Prep, and Seneca Valley. But there's only one team that hasn't yet that controls their entire destiny, and that's Pine Richland. Pine Richland um, has six games in hand on the remaining teams, and the teams that have already clinched have either three, or in Upper St. Clair's case, four. Um, <laughs> Pine Richland can really do some damage to the postseason picture when it comes to sit the seeding right now. I mean, it has been the most level season so far when you look at the top eight teams in AAA. You kind of figured Bethel Park was going to rear their ugly head in at the end of the day, and that wasn't ugly in any way. It was just a, a turn of speed, you know, turn of phrase there. Uh, they've been battling with Mount Lebanon, and Mount Lebanon not playing this week, but Bethel Park with a victory this week over North Allegheny kind of puts, puts Mount Lebanon at the uh, cusp of the out of the playoffs right now. Um, good thing going for Mount Lebanon is Bethel Park has North Allegheny, who now officially needs that victory because Upper St. Clair is right on their tail with a game in hand, two points back. A loss to Bethel Park could do damage to North Allegheny's number one seed chances. But the Panthers don't have the head-to-head against North Allegheny. They're going to need a lot of help there down the stretch. And... It's been a very good uh, back. We look down the stretch. It's uh, Peters Township has played a whole hell of a lot better, and I'll say hell, and I don't care. This past season, uh, as the season progressed, they've gotten better. They've moved along. Cannon McMillan started out strong, a little bit of a lull in the middle, and have continued to move along on their season. Cathedral Prep did exactly what we expected them to do. They started out average, and then as they got the players in from the football squad, <laughs> continued to grow and grow and grow and play better. Seneca Valley, they were in second place for a long time. They've come back to earth. And, you know, we talk about what's going on with the parity in this league. You look at that and you just say Seneca Valley, second place, I think, around Christmas, and now they're in seven, they're sixth right now. And they're staring down Pine Richland right behind them. Pine Richland, three points behind Seneca Valley with three games at hand. So... um. Pine Richland controls their own destiny. They've got two games left every week for the remainder of the season. So this week, they'll open up with Butler, and then they'll have Peters Township on Thursday. And the, both uh, Butler is at Frozen Pond. Peters Township is at Barrel. Right now, if you look at it, Bethel Park will play at North Allegheny in the first round. Pine Richland will play at Upper St. Clair in the AA uh, to AAA matchup from last season. Seneca Valley and Peters Township will play in the other game as, long, as well as Cathedral Prep heading to Cannon McMillan. Two games at Princecape 
and a game at Ice Castle and a game at North North uh, I'm sorry Barrel Ice Complex. Monday, Bethel Park in North Allegheny. We're going to have that for you on Berg Hockey Live. I am hosting that one. I'm not sure if I have Matt Geica with me or not. He might just be around for the Tuesday game against for Central Catholic and Peters Township. I'm not sure how that's playing out with him. Uh, Pine Ridge and Butler is another big one. Seneca Valley at Cannon McMillan. I mean, this could go anywhere. Upper St. Clair and Cathedral Prep on Tuesday. Central Catholic, Peters Township on Tuesday at Princecape. Doubleheader, AAA doubleheader at Princecape. Then Thursday, Peters Township at Pine Richland. Uh, Barrel. And then you're talking about teams only having a single game left after that. Pine Richland will have four games left, but Peters Township will be down the one. North Allegheny will be down the two. And just so on and so on and so on. And we're just... Uh, we're just moving along. Peters Township needs to make a a statement here if they're going to try to get one of those top three seeds or at least get it in the top four to host a home game because that's tighter than anything. You don't know who's going to take it. Uh, North Allegheny gets a, a win on Monday. They're going to clinch one of those seeds. And, you know, Upper St. Clair has an opportunity to do so depending on what happens with, uh, you know, these remaining games as uh, Seneca Valley and Cannon Mac have to play. And the winner of that game is going to jump the other one or open up the lead if you're in Cannon McMax, you know, Cannon Max actual um, scenario. But it's all over the place. Pine Richland will clinch a playoff berth at least this week with a win or an overtime or shootout loss. So, um, unfortunately, I have on there Mount Lebanon loss in any format. Mount Lebanon can't lose because they don't play this week. They can't win either. So, we'll see how that uh, plays out for all these teams. So, all right, we're going to bring in Ed Major here. We're going to continue our PIHL talk before we move along into our uh, other talk. I have, of course, uh, Matt Mamros coming on later and Gary Heeman coming on to join us about our men's side of stuff. So we're bringing in uh, Mr. Ed Major now. Now joining me on the podcast, uh, Ed Major usually comes sends me his updates as we continue to go but first time I'm going to have him here live so Ed how's everything going buddy uh, everything's going pretty well here uh, had a had a pretty exciting weekend in the ACHA and getting getting down into playoff crunch time and in, in both the ACHA and in PIHL high school hockey so all level yeah. for our hockey here yeah we're going to start in the PIHL uh we're going to talk a little bit here and you actually you uh specify in the South Hills a little more often and I was just talking about this West Allegheny Montour Baldwin conundrum that's going on, and a couple other things. Um, what's your take on those three teams right now? And you know, with Baldwin taking that first seed, but does it really mean much now that you look later in the season as Baldwin faced? You know, they have each of them now, but they played them earlier in the season. So, what what do you what do you take from that race right now? Yeah. Baldwin started the I, I I thought it was interesting from the very first the schedule came out, Baldwin was starting their season against the three mo against three of the four newcomers in double A. And they're ending the season against those same three teams in a little bit of a different order. But really I, I don't think it matters a whole heck of a lot because I think Montour especially is is a much different team now than when they played to open the season. So there, I think I believe it was a nine nothing Baldwin victory in that game. I mm -hmm. I don't I don't see it being that much of a difference in this next one. So and that's good news for Montour because they're tied with West A for that second spot in the division. So it's good news for that. And, and it, 
I don't I don't know. Baldwin will probably still have a lot of motivation. I think they want to finish the season undefeated, so I, I don't see them letting their foot off the gas. So I, I think especially that game in particular is going to be a really, really good one. Okay, so we talk about that, and of course I have that game on uh, the Baldwin-Montour game on Berg Hockey Live in two weeks. But we're talking about the sorry, we about a week now. Um, next Monday, not tomorrow, but the following day, and we're recording on Sunday, of course. But uh, we talk about that, and you look at that schedule, and now you're going to talk about. Okay, so West A going down the stretch has Franklin Regional that Monday. We'll have that on Berg Hockey Live. But Baldwin this week, Montour has Baldwin and Penn Trafford. Now they're not many trap games, but if you're looking at the hardest game other than the, the ones that Baldwin are involved in, that West A Franklin game really means a lot for West Allegheny because, you know, Penn Trafford still on the outside of that southeast division, but looking like they're not going to be able to make up the ground as the season moves on with Hemfield having the game in hand and Franklin Regional having West A. But uh, <laughs> you have to look at that and think that might be the trap game for uh, for West Allegheny. Yeah, and any any one of those games, either with Franklin Regional or Penn Trafford, either one of those two could could take one of those games from West A or Montour and and really put one of those two at a disadvantage in that Southwest division. So it it's real. I I think it's anyone all really with with what with what the heck goes on yeah. with it. With three weeks from today. Do you see one? Do you, are we watching a West Allegheny Montour qualifier game? I, honestly, I, I I would be inclined to vote yes on that. I I, I think they I think they'll finish it out with <laughs> exactly the same as they are now at the same level, just completely knotted up. And you know it, it'll be a it'll be an exciting winner take all. You know who who has the right to basically go up and visit Quaker Valley? Yeah, absolutely, and that's uh, you know. You possibly get Baldwin back in the semifinal anyway if you take care of Quaker Valley and quick and uh, whoever ends up in second in the the northeast northwest can take the uh, you know can faces Baldwin so um, all right so I took that's all I really wanted to talk to you about from the PIHL I wanted to get your opinion on that situation but we're gonna step back and look into your ACHA coverage I actually was able to get out in the rink for two games this week partial games not of course but. Um, their games, nonetheless. Um, I was at the Duquesne and Mercyhurst matchup on Friday night after my concert. Then on Saturday, I had I dropped in for the Robert Morris and Mercyhurst matchup, and uh, both home teams were able to take home Ws, and that means a lot for the standings, doesn't it? That, that means a lot for for the standings in general. And for Duquesne, they're on. They had a 14 game losing streak, but now they've won three conference games in a row. And they're in a position to, to to not only clinch a playoff spot, they could possibly jump John Carroll and get the number five seed in the playoffs, which is between playing IUP or playing Slippery Rock again. And if you ask the Dukes, I think they'd be much more prepared to take on Slippery Rock. They just defeated them on Saturday night. They swept the season series. A 7-6 to six overtime victory back in October. UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex. And, and a five to three win here at Alpha S Complex this past weekend. So it it was a lot of big implications for just this past weekend alone, just for those two teams. Hey, you're having a little bit of interference there on the call. Um, I don't know what's going on, but I'll I'll get a roll with it and uh, we'll just continue to move along here. Um, so I was actually looking at those standings. They posted them up on I guess the CHMA had posted them on Twitter. 
And I just have a simple question, um, and I, you know, this is me not not speaking from a, you know, a history standpoint, not not knowing too much about this. Pitt ranked versus RM, you know, over RMU, who has more points in the conference. Is that an out of conference type situation, or is that? You know, does Pitt look – I mean, I, I've seen the Pitt team play. They look phenomenal. I know a lot of the players that are involved in it. Um, is that just something that is that, that just naturally occurred, or was that something the way that the team shows? See, you are you asking essentially with RMU not being ranked? Yeah, yeah, in that case, but having the division lead. I, 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 I agree with you. Like, I, I have been saying all season long, I, I think RMU should definitely kind – of, they should be up there ranked, you know, almost as high as Pitt. They've been the, – the one thing that's getting them is RMU has a lot more non-conference losses. Robert Morris is 23-9-1. Pitt is 23-2. and So they've played those extra games, and those extra games have all been losses compared to Pitt. I don't think the rankings go that deep into it, it with the computerized rankings. And and I know with a couple of RMU games, they, they've, they've been to several overtime and shootout games this season. And the rankings, when the computer rankings do that, it treats those games as ties when the computer rankings figure that out. So that kind of hurts RMU in, with the points that they accrue in the rankings. But that, that's one possible reason why they're not up there with Pitt, but I, I definitely think they should be up there, no doubt. All right, and then you look at that, and I'm like looking at the standings now, and uh, Duquesne, you know, like you said, I, we caught that on Berg Hockey Live last Friday, and then, you know, not this previous Friday, the Friday before, and then I was able to just stop in and check out uh, Conrad Waite's team, and they've just, like we said, they were, they've been on this tear recently, 14-game losing streak, but winning where it matters and, uh, you know, eliminating West Virginia in the process and in the process possibly could take Mercyhurst out of the postseason picture. Yeah, Mercyhurst has a game against uh, against Pitt coming up. Uh, I can find it here. I, actually, they play on the 15th. So if they – Duquesne actually clinches a playoff spot, they clinch for sure with either a win on Friday or a or a Mercyhurst lost to Pitt on Saturday night, so their their magic number has been has dwindled down to one with this three game winning streak that they've been on. So Conrad Wait, I mean, you can he he won Coach of the Year a couple seasons ago. You never count Conrad Wait out, even when his team's on a losing streak, because he can flip the switch like that and get his team on a roll. And that that's a it's also one of those situations. You know, you get hot into the postseason, and that, that could just carry you to, you know. Uh, higher, you know, higher levels and everything, and you don't look at it, but you know they're only three points behind uh, Slippery Rock and IUP in the standings, so they're not that far out. So it's as even as you can look at. So and they have that game against IUP on Friday night, mm-hmm. so they they can even close the ground there. And and remember what happened last season: the eventual winner, Robert Morris, taking down Slippery Rock eight to seven in overtime in the conference championship. Robert Morris was the number six seed. They they struggled early on in the season, so that pushed them down. They couldn't get up a very high seeding, but they took that number six seed and they ran with it, ran the table, got in, and, and they gave Nevada Las Vegas a run for their money in the national tournament. Yeah, so you look at that, and it, it, it's amazing stuff to see. And like I've been watching it the last couple of weeks, and I've just been the one thing that I've been noticing because like, I've seen as much as I've seen from the. Uh, the NCAA side to the ACHA side was 
the you know just the intensity and the uh, the love of the game that these kids are you know that these kids are playing uh, at this level. Um, you know, it's a lot more business. Um, you know, business. We want to, you know, we have to win. We're, we're prepared. We have to do this. They're just having more fun out on the ice on the ACHA side, <laughs> in my opinion, over the first couple weeks of me being able to cover it. It's a lot more. They seem to be having a lot more of that fun. And, and I think they kind of, the ACHA players also kind of, they play almost feeling like they have something to prove because a lot of these schools don't get as much support from their university and, and, and even from the fan base and at times that I, then I believe they should, I think that sometimes they should get more support than they do. So I feel like these players kind of are aware of that and, and they feel they go out on the ice every time with feeling like they have something to prove like, Hey guys, if, if like Pitt for example, if they can go up and say, Hey, let's we're 23 and two overall, we're 10 and one in conference we're ranked nationally. Maybe this can get us some, maybe some, some of our peers on campus can start paying more attention to us. Like, Hey, we're, we're a real hockey team on campus. And I think that's our goal as part of what we do is to try to enlighten people to different styles of hockey and what's out there and what you're able to watch. And, you know, you know, these teams are doing this and this, you know, these players are doing that. And it's just wonderful. And you also look at it and I'm like, this is the high, you know, these are the places where kids are like, hey, we were high school stars, but we don't want to go far from home. The dream doesn't end with us going playing professional hockey. We want to get a we want to get a degree and we want to go out and do this. You know, we want to start our lives, but we also want to play hockey for collegiately. So it's a nice outlet for that. And a lot of these players, like I especially look at that Robert Morris roster, <laughs> the names that I just remember from the last couple seasons. And that's just insanity. Pitt, Pitt went out and put out 2019's PIHL All-Star squad. And I, I think RMU, I, when I saw their game against Pitt last weekend where, where Pitt took them down 3-2 to two at the island, I was listening to the starting lineup and I was looking at the roster and I'm like, well, we're literally one player away from an all-Pittsburgh starting lineup for the Colonials. It's not even close. Like I'm looking at names like uh, Adamski, Justin Adamski, who I personally believe could have played junior somewhere. He he has the build and the ability to play in that type of thing. Uh, Austin Tonkovich comes back from, you know, I'm sorry. Now we're gonna switch over to Pitt. Austin Tonkovich comes back. He was on the 2015 Cannon Mac State Finals team. Uh, played a couple seasons in juniors, and you know, it, it's tough to say, but a lot of these players they could have played. Tyler Draper, Seneca Valley, a player that played very well for you know, played very well up there. Now he's playing for Robert Morris. I mean, <laughs> you got these uh, these really good players that I remember watching in the All-Stars and playing junior, you know, not junior, but like triple-A hockey around here. And it, it, it's definitely a, uh, uh, a nice little breath of fresh air for these players to be able to play local. Definitely. It's... And, and, and that's a bit, the other thing is you look at that and you're like, you've got teams, you got teams at Slippery Rock, you've got a team up in Indiana, you know, Robert Morris, Pitt, Duquesne. It isn't travel. The travel schedule is not hard for these teams. Yeah, the travel schedule is not hard. And, and also, it's nice to have, you know, kind of three local teams around, like kind of within Allegheny County of Pitt, Duquesne, and RMU. But then you have some of the more, they're still local, but they're at the same time, they're not local. There's You have Slipper Rock, IUP, John Carroll, Mercyhurst. You, so you have these kids that, even if they do kind of want to get get away from home a little bit and and carry on, okay, you're not going too far. 
and you know, you're not going too far. You're staying close, but you can still kind of go out and and you can even even these teams in the CHMA play a lot of other non-conference games. You had Slippery Rock playing games against Liberty, who's always top dog in the ACHA against Ohio. So even even in the ACHA, you still play a lot of top teams, a lot of guys that can. They can probably compete at the NCAA level even. And then we talk about that. You know, you want to talk about the NCAA level, but hey, NCAA, uh, Robert Morris is playing the same ice surface as the CHMA, uh, ACHA team. I mean, albeit, you know, when there's a a uh, cover over, they play on the opposite Colonials rink, which by by the Olympic rink, which by the way, playing on an Olympic-sized sheet are the ACHA Colonials majority of the time that I've seen them. So, um, yeah, that's a... uh, that's definitely a dynamic you have to look at, and it's awesome to see, and it's, it's growing. I mean, I saw the crowd was nice out there for both games that I saw this past weekend. Um, Duquesne and Mercyhurst, uh, the Hurst fans were out in full force for both of those, and oh, yeah. Robert Morris had really good uh, following. And and the one the the one thing I will mention about like the Olympic size ice that I, I think one game that I'll that I will always kind of remember in the ACHA is a couple seasons ago when I first started kind of covering the, the Duquesne team. I, I went out there to the island. They were playing on the Olympic arena against Robert Morris. And there's Duquesne's social media manager came up to me and went, hey, we got this new player wearing number five. It's no longer the old guy that, that you know. We've got this new guy joining in. And it was Manny Mancha. And I thought, oh, I'm probably not going to get many pictures of him. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. He was out there a lot, and he was fast. And especially on that Olympic arena, that open ice, where I figured out that Duquesne specifically kind of, they can thrive on that open ice. So I I think these teams, when they go out to play RMU, they're hoping to play on that bigger rink even. Yeah, you're not playing a lot of east-west. You're playing a lot more north-south in that scenario. So, All right, Ed, final comments on the ACHA? Um, Just... uh, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it at the fact that last weekend we had the possibility that John Carroll and Mercyhurst could both clinch the final two playoff spots. Mm-hmm. Well, Mercyhurst lost both games last weekend. John Carroll was idle in play, so who knows what's gonna happen here? So the only way to know for sure is to tune in and find out this coming weekend. All right, thank you so much. That was Ed Major. I am Brian Mitchell. We'll be back with Matt Mamros, and we'll talk around the region. Following him, we will face Gary Heeman. We'll not face Gary Heeman. We will have Gary Heeman. We'll be back on the PhD Podcast. I'd like to welcome back our around-the-region reporter, Mr. Matt Mamros. Matt, how's everything going? It's uh, It's been a busy weekend. Busy weekend? I think we know hockey game today. Yeah. Wow. All right. So uh, what do we got? We've got, of course, a couple big things we haven't mentioned in a while. Um, we have a little bit on the timetable time now, so we'll just try ahead and roll through this. Um, two records since we last spoke. J.C. Gephardt 100, broke the uh, the career points record for Robert Morris, and now this past weekend, Emily Curlett breaking the goal-scoring record for Robert Morris women's hockey. Yeah, it was, it was something that was truly spectacular. So I got to see both in person uh jc broke the scoring record on a scoring change in the first period so kind of, kind of everybody in the stands knew she broke the record but nobody on the ice knew she broke the record so that was pretty cool and she got a little ovation before the start of the second period there mm-hmm. 
And Emily Curlett breaking the goals for a, def- a career goal for a defenseman record in Penn State this weekend. Happened to be in the building for that one. That was it was a two-two tie, but uh, two early goals in the first ten minutes by Penn State and mm-hmm. Robert Morris coming back to to get one back in the I believe it was the second, mm-hmm. and then getting the the tying goal by Michaela Boyle for her team leading 18th goal of the season in the third. Okay, you look at that now. The, with those wins, you get the CHA standings. We go towards that. The uh, you know now it gets a little bit more interesting on the back of Mercyhurst dropping a game to Lindenwood this past weekend, and now they got a one point lead heading up to Erie next weekend. Yeah, I will not be there for the Friday game, but I will be there on Saturday, and I will be in at uh, in Erie for the Otters as well on Saturday night. I'll be there for the. Uh, for the women's game on both days, I'll be there Friday and Saturday. Maybe I'll stop by and check out that Otters game on Saturday night before I head back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, oh, absolutely. And I'm sure Aiden and Austin would love to talk to you. I'll definitely try to get a, a little bit of a – maybe get some credentials for that one and have a, have a chat with them, sit down and talk a little bit for the podcast next week or feature or something along the lines I'm working with. We're so busy right now, don't have a lot of time to do a lot of stuff, so – uh, trying to move along oh, with that. It has been quite a while since we have filmed the segment here. Yeah, definitely. It just feels like it's weird actually being able to do things and actually being able to film segments and such. Um, so, as we move along, we have what do you have up next on your list? You have a one-sentence um, review yeah. of your first women's bean pot. Yes, so I actually um, streamed the women's bean pot which is the, uh, of course, it's like the battle for Boston, yeah. essentially. They play for the bean pot. Mm-hmm. I watched it. The, they played on Tuesday for the women's bean pot. So I watched that on Tuesday. And uh, that was awesome. That, was, that mm-hmm. was really cool to watch that. And for anybody that hasn't experienced it, if you want to watch a bunch of really good Boston schools fling it out with each other on a really big stage, that is the way to do it. Awesome. That is my one sentence review of the bean pot. Nice. I give it a four out of five stars. Nice. All right. So. Johnstown, are they on the way to the playoffs, sir? You have it down there. Yeah, they're they're pretty much uh, just kind of running away here with second place. The the difference in points between second place and the East Division is fifteen between Johnstown and Wilkes, the Wilkesbury Scranton Knights. Still trying to catch those pesky Titans, but they're about four. Ga- they're five points or uh, about four games back from passing them, and there are some matchups left in that. Um, that series before the end of the year. So that, that'll be an interesting one to watch. And of course, uh, Kristen Gorchak still leads the NAHL in points. Our, uh, our local guy to watch the, hem- the Jeanette native Hempfield grad, Hempfield hockey grad, uh, alumni, yeah. uh, Christian Gorchak. Of course, I believe S Mark stars too. If I've, if I'm remembering correctly, he was an I alumnus think that's of that actually program. His picture on Elite Prospect. Yeah, yeah, he's the alumnus of that program. So good for them to be able to move along, and he's going to move on, I believe, to Niagara is where he committed. So that is correct. That is Niagara University starting next year. Yep. So all right. And so this is the second year in a row that Johnstown has had the league-leading score for this long. So mm-hmm. that's that's pretty impressive as well. Nice. Yeah. So uh, Wheeling, what's going on down in Wheeling, sir? Wheeling is wild and wonderful as always because it's uh, <laughs> pun. Yeah, all the, all the puns intended. There we um, go. They so 
the last game I was at was Wheeling versus Norfolk Admirals, which as soon as I stepped into the rink, Alex Tonge, the Robert Morris alumni, ripped a, uh, a one-timer uh, to beat Doria to make the game one to nothing. And I mean, that was pretty cool to see him again. Uh, he's mm-hmm. floating around the, uh, the ECHL. I think he's on his third, possibly fourth different team this year. So he's, uh, he's not taking the Daniel Levins route of around the ECHL, but, uh, he is moving around quite a bit. He's still playing. That's all that's important is if you want to continue to play, you have the ability to still play. And, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. He was playing every situation for them to penalty kill, first power play unit, four on four. He, he was playing all the all the key minutes there. And I I don't think he's their leading scorer, but he's up there. Awesome. So right. it's cool to see him again. Wheeling, of course, winning that game three to one. But uh the uh, the Admirals played them tough the whole way, and that's a team that's like dead last in the league. Yeah, they, they actually are dead last in the league. They only have twelve wins on the year. But uh, Wheeling's spec at five hundred, and uh, the annual Penguins purge of Wheeling, uh, ascending everybody to Wilkesbury has begun. So, if you didn't get to catch some of the guys this year, they might not be coming back, and they're all stuck in Wilkesbury due to the yeah. massive injuries in, in, in the Penguins. But uh, Coming up this weekend, they play two games this weekend, one against Cincinnati and mm-hmm. one against Fort Wayne. So I believe Eric Israel is on Fort Wayne. So if you want to go see him, that is the Saturday game at 7 o'clock. Nice. All right, so the Phantoms had Dubuque this weekend. How'd that go? Um, lost my notes on that one. Hold up. Oh, there we go. I got him. I got him, folks. Yeah, you finally, you finally got me. Yeah. I actually have no idea what I did with the notes for that one. So that's uh, your guess is as good as mine. I actually got a just just for the record, I got a notice on Tuesday from one of the uh, one of the local SIDs, one of the local media guys, told me that uh, Butler's Connor Strobel was the emergency backup for Dubuque this past weekend. I'm not a hundred percent sure how accurate that was, but the S Mark Star uh, goaltender had the opportunity to play in the USHL this past weekend. And well-deserved for the young man. Great goaltender at Strobel. All right. Did you catch yeah, up on I've, what you got? No, I, I totally lost it, man. I have no idea what I did with it. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we do here. It, let it, me let me look up and see what you have to do. It's entirely possible Youngstown was, was sadly forgotten this week. I believe they were Sorry, swept. Man. I'm not 100% sure. Let me double-check the uh, stats. They lost the game one against Dubuque. So yeah, Dubuque is actually very good this year, and yeah. they usually are. So well uh, done. That's a team to watch. They did get sure swept. They did get swept by Dubuque this weekend. They lost six nothing on Sunday on a Saturday. So yeah, uh, and my my buddy actually instead of going to that Robert Moore men's thriller on the island, he was there, mm-hmm. and I remember him just complaining about it for a solid thirty five minutes on the car ride home. He always calls me when he leaves the building. Uh, Let's, uh, let's go up to Erie. Erie is currently in eighth place in the Western Conference. They're floating around 500, but uh, they're they're still a fun team to watch, and they're getting healthier. So that'll be something to watch this weekend. Whenever they play the, let's see, they play Kitchener on Tuesday. They play Barry on Wednesday, and we got the Oshawa Generals in on Saturday when I will be up there. So. Uh, women's game should end in plenty of time to float over there to catch the otters mm-hmm. in I'm, action. I'm thinking about that. We talked about that a little bit earlier, and thinking now more yeah, I think about it, opportunity being there. Yeah, absolutely, and it's awesome to do so. It mm-hmm. just, it really is. Uh, I, I enjoy it every time I'm up there. 
Okay, you got a couple other small details here. Uh, Matty Mills, 100 career points. Yes, uh, Cornell. I caught this on Twitter by accident. So <laughs> was, uh, all good things happen. Yeah, it, it had a ton of retweets, so I just happened to see it, and I retweeted it myself. It's on my Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. Of course, I have tw- uh, tweeted way too much before since finding that. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, Cor- Cornell should actually be number one this week, as Wisconsin lost. So that would be pretty cool if they are number one in the USCHO rankings. Do-do-do. Yeah, Wisconsin having a little bit of yeah, a rough against, time up there. Against, yeah, against, um, here I found it, Yell Cornell for Matty Mills, 100 career points, as well as senior defenseman Jamie Bornebay. And tonight, scoring on back-to-back goals against Harvard. Hashtag Yell Cornell. Uh, yeah, so there it is. So she's at 100 career points. I believe she's a sophomore. Um, I want to say that she's not very far into her career up there. Um, let me check. That. Yeah, so hundred, yeah, hundred points is pretty awesome. Yeah, I did retweet this. So if you, I you believe she's Twitter, a junior. You, junior, okay, but still, they hit hundred points as a junior is very impressive. But that's, yeah, uh, let me look again. Let me just make sure we're on the same page that she was. Um. She's a junior this you year. You can't, like, click her name yeah. on Twitter. I, I found like it. A... I found it on – I just Googled it. <laughs> Google's your best friend in this. I found the Cornell page. She's a junior this season from Swickley. Yeah. Very cool. Very yeah. cool stuff. 100, 100 career points for the uh, the Cornell Bears. That's awesome. So, all yeah, right. We got – I her at the island last year, and I got to drive up there to see her this year in person. So, that was, that was cool to see that. I definitely think Cornell – is probably the toughest team that Robert Morris has faced all year in terms yeah. of women's ice hockey. They got pretty well handed to them when they went up there last week. Um, so we got a couple minutes left. Um, let's talk a little bit off the re- on the record, not off the record. Um, we're always on the record here. Um, so I mean, uh, you are a DJ, so if you want to just start slapping records all over the place, you can. I don't have a cricket. Uh, I don't have a crickets track for you here, so. Um. <laughs> I, I can make my own sound effect if you'd like. Yeah, so we got uh, about three minutes left on our segment here, so let's talk a little bit here. Uh, moving along, Robert Moore is taking that one-point lead against Mercyhurst over Mercyhurst this week. Uh, going into yeah, this weekend this against. series is very, very much important. This is probably the most important series of the year right here because uh, – I believe Syracuse actually dropped a game and tied a game this weekend. I have to look at the CHA standings there. Do look here. The C- well, I have the standings pulled up here. I don't have Syracuse. Right. Robert Morris is 10-3-1 with 21 points. Mercyhurst is 9-3-2 with 20 points. And both their ties are Penn State. Syracuse yeah. is 8-4-2. and two. Penn State is 5-5-4. Five, five, and, mm-hmm. and Lindenwood and RIT are... I, I believe they were officially eliminated from getting the possibility of having a bye. So all the um, all the teams that have well, no, they're, yeah, they're eliminated from getting the bye, which means they're also eliminated from being re- regarded as the home team in the first round. So correct. It, it will be Syracuse, Penn State, Mercyhurst, or Robert Morris are all going to be considered home teams on their first rep, their their first respective games. Um, they're just fighting over the bye now. I have it in front of me. Robert Morris has three point a three point lead on Syracuse. Mercyhurst is down by one to Robert Morris. Penn State is falling back seven points from Robert Morris, but only six points from Mercyhurst. So big weekend for Mercyhurst. They can bring they can put Penn State out of range 
I mean, you're looking, there's 12 points available for every team right now, so it's not really like we're talking about it, but that number decreases by four every week. So right. we can talk about it all we want right now, but you look at it and, you know, Robert Morris, you know, all they need if it, with a sweep this weekend can really put a stranglehold going into their senior weekend with RIT. Absolutely, and I mean, even if they tie one, win one, you have won the series against Marcy Arts in the regular series, so or season. So that is, uh, cause I believe they. Uh, whenever Mercy Arts was here the last time, I believe they split the series. They split the series last time they were here, but they really played a lot. They they played better than they should have in that lat in the first game that they lost. So it was definitely a. Uh, they played better than Mercyhurst in both the games that they played. So. But uh, it was just a really rough weekend for the the uh, Colonials yeah, that we weekend. Will so. see, we will see what happens this weekend. It's going to be a very important uh, points up for grab. And I don't think Kennedy Blair started either game for Mercyhurst last weekend. I, I believe Linden it was Wood. Jenna. Yeah, our, uh, yeah, I think it was uh, Jenna Slo- Slovin or whatever her name is mm-hmm. uh, for, for Mercyhurst. So. All right. We'll see what happens this weekend. All right, Matt. I will see you on Saturday. I am Brian Mitchell. That was Matt Mamros. We will be back on the PhD podcast. All right, now bringing in our Robert Morris beat writer and our good friend of the show, Gary Heeman. Gary, how's everything going on, buddy? Can't complain, actually. Good weekend of hockey. Good Saturday night, anyway. Um, yeah, it's uh, great to be back at the rink and um, yeah, enjoying both games of a of a weekend. So I've been a while since I've been able to do that. So yeah, always great to get. To get back-to-back games in at the island, always a, a special treat. And, uh, you know, got rewarded on Saturday, definitely. No, Yeah, you talk about those two games. I missed Friday night. I was in the, uh, I was at a concert that night. I actually took a night off of hockey and kind of sort of a night off hockey because I ended up covering <laughs> hockey anyway. But, uh... uh, uh oh, who'd you go see, Mitch? I went and I saw Stephen Lynch. Okay, very good. I yes, uh, I Yes, I did. I enjoyed it up in Oakmont, the Oaks Theater. Uh, beautiful it. venue. I loved every second of it, so... Um, all right, Absolutely. so Friday night. Game one. Let's talk. So about you want to talk about Friday night? Let's 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 open up with where we're supposed to begin at the you know the calm before the storm. So let's discuss Friday it. Night. Yeah, well, Friday night it looked like the Colonials are actually going to have um you know, a, a decent start to the weekend. Got to one one nothing lead thanks to Nick Lalonde, who um really put an impressive shot past the um, RIT goaltender this weekend, Logan Drackett, who won't play in both games for the uh, RIT Tigers. He, he's, he's always been a thorn in Robert Morris' side, if I can remember correctly, his last couple he, seasons. He's been solid against the Colonials. Yes, he's as, uh, he's, he's as good as they get in the conference. I mean, Logan's really been a, you know, a, a, not necessarily a brick wall in every game, but, I mean, most of them, yeah, he makes you work for everything you get. And, um, you know, it was good to see uh, Nick get rewarded there. Great shot, too. I mean, you know, just nothing – Nothing out of the ordinary about it. Just a, a real good fast wrister from that lower right wings right wing circle, and the it breeze right by him. And the you, you know you kind of figure the Colonials are off and running at this point. Like okay, mm-hmm. great. Now that's that's the confidence, and you know more pucks need to follow because you know up until this point in the season so far, I mean goals have been kind of a uh, you know they're there when they're there, and when they're not, they're really not um, for right. the Colonials. It's been a it's been a hard go for the offense this season so far. Um, the first half, you know, we um, we looked at a situation where they weren't getting enough shots. Now they're getting enough shots, and it was ev- it was evident you now Friday and Saturday as they they you know, outshot their opponent forty two to twenty six actually on Friday night. Had the better of the chances, but couldn't bury any of them other than that one shot with Logan Rackett. So, 
or get one more past Logan Drake. Nick Lalonde's goal stands out as the only colonial goal on the night. Um, and I don't want to tell you there about the rest of the way. It was just one of those nights where you got the feeling that one or two goals or one or two tips the other way, and it puts Rob Morse right back in the game, and they never came. Um, it, you know, he had the feeling that RIT was just taking the thing over progressively, and that's kind of how it felt. Um, you know, for, for all the energy that they skated around with, you know, I mean, they just, they were not bearing the chances. And that's either, you know, it could be many different things. I'm not in the locker room and I'm not on the bench with the guys. So you're looking at a situation where I mean, you have to ask yourself, are we getting the good looks and getting, the, are we are we making the best shot possible? Are we, you know, getting the best looks and making it you know, harder on this goaltender? And a lot of it, you know, it seemed like shots that were somewhat easy to gobble up. Um, you know, it, it maybe needed more traffic in front of them. Um, I could stand back here and tell you, you know, to do a million things with a hockey team that, you know, that may or may not work. But the fact of the matter is, you know, for whatever reason, it just wasn't happening. Um, you know, and RIT was opportunistic. 26 shots, but four goals. And um, let's start out with uh, Sean Cameron there. He's been a thorn, the, just like Dragon, has been a thorn in the colonial side. Sean put two goals in and um, had a three-point night and really was the, uh, the catalyst for them on Friday night to get that big three-point victory. Right, and uh, you talk about that and the, uh, <laughs> you know, all those hard times on Friday night. And, you know, I, I heard from a couple, several people, it was one of the rougher games they've played all year, and RIT just out-muscled them the entire time, and it was just a tough uh, tough contest. And yeah, yeah, you could say that. I mean, they were really on their home ice. They were... I want to say, you know, physically outmatched. I want to just say that the will just didn't appear to be there. You know what I mean? Right. We've seen, you know, Rob Morse has um, people on the roster. We can go up and down and go out names off there that you know love to, to to take the body and are not afraid to do it and do it and take pride in doing so. And they just weren't at the same rate that RIT was. It was strange. Right. Normally, RIT brings out the physical edge, you know, Right off the bat, with every game you play, and we played, you know, Rob Morse had played you know, RIT enough to know that, you know, right. I mean, they just they bring it from the drop of the puck, and you know, the, the first hit is theirs, and you're matching hit for hit the rest of the night, typically speaking, and it really wasn't the case um, on Friday night. Right. Um, they and were I... uh, they were the um, the recipient and not the um, the giver on Friday night. And and as we move along, then we move into Saturday. And at that first period, I, I was actually when I was there, I was watching. It was a little bit of the same. Uh, RIT controlling the game in that first period, but uh, definitely had turned around by I believe what halfway through the second period, the tides had turned. Um, you know, yeah, Nick Milan got the goal off. Um, I'm, excuse me, I was I confused nights. Um, Nick Milan got the goal last night. They got yes. the Colonials off and running. Excuse me, I just not realized okay. that. It's been a long weekend, but anyhow, um. <laughs> Yeah, but for the um, the Colonials on Saturday night, Nicolon got him off running, but um, yeah, only four shots in that first period. Um, not the way you want to start out. I thought that coming into Saturday, we would really be looking at a team that had something to prove a little bit of a chip on that shoulder, and I was kind of concerned when it didn't appear that that, that chip was there. They um, you know, it looked like I'm watching just as you alluded to, you know, kind of a a transfer of the same, you know the same way it had been on Friday moving into Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, and it was kind of concerning me up until about the middle of the second period. And, you know, RIT got the two goals to make it three to one. And at this point, you're really wondering, I was like, 
is this the weekend that they really start to put, you know, any sort of home playoff in jeopardy? Because right. if you look at the Atlanta Hockey standings, they're they're not quite there yet, and they've got a lot of you know situations in their own hands right now with Holy Cross coming up this weekend. We'll talk a little more about that in a bit, in a little bit. But um, you know, they're controlling their own destiny for home ice or at least one home ice round, and maybe I think some outside chance to buy. And lo and behold, I mean, it looked like this might be the weekend that sorts of starts to slip into a little bit of a question mark. And they pull them up and pull themselves up by the skate straps, as it were. Starts out with this senior Daniel Mantenuto who can do a little bit of everything and does a lot of it well and intense. And um, you know, it's kind of a, a player that any coach would just love to have. Um, you know, on the power play, nonetheless, he um, got the power play goal going in the second period, got the Colonials back to three to two. And in the third, you saw Robert Morrison that just completely took over control of the game come hell or high water. They were not leaving without a win. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, yeah, it was a- impressive to see. I mean, you know, as, as it's going along, I, I keep on thinking, you know, if they get one to tie, there is no way the Tigers are getting out of here with, you know, with three points. It just deflated um, that, and you're, you're going to move yeah. in. You're going to say the next thing that you're that's going to come out of your mouth, and uh, that, that's exactly what happened. But go ahead and explain how it went, it played out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one chance after another, Dragon's still making saves. One great shot, one great look. I mean, it looks like Rob Morris could fill at least three or four in. Brackett saves 20 out of 21 in the final 30 or in the final 20 minutes on Saturday night. And lo and behold, we get the, uh, the game time goal. I came coming off the sick of Aiden Spellacy, or Spellacy rather, um, to tie that one. Um, just a, a hardworking, greedy type of a goal from, you know, in the crease there. And it brought us to overtime, you know, and in the overtime, it looked in the five on five period, the first, um, you know, five on five, five minute period that RIT might just be able to snatch those points right back. Um, and the Colonials looked like, um, I don't know, they uh, maybe need a bit of a longer break, get some air back in the lungs. Um, it just wasn't working for them, um, but they withstood. And I got to give a tip of the cat to Justin Cablemaster, who Friday night didn't probably, ha- he probably had a couple of goals there on Friday night. He would look to have had back, um, you know, on Saturday, it was a much better game. I know it's a lot more confidence coming out of Cable Master. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had a solid year so far, but has let in a few lately that probably he had not been letting in in the first half. If I'm fair about everything, but you know, I haven't seen all the goals. Been just if, if we're just reading off the data and the stats right now, it, it's looking like you know there's a few maybe that you know are starting to get past and that we're getting past them before. He buttoned down and played a hell of a game on Saturday night when you look at everything with mm-hmm. your own eyes yeah. being there in the flesh. He had a really nice game. And the Colonials, this is a, a microcosm of the game. Um, the Colonials, you know, are getting, they're being outshot midway through the second period, 22-9 to nine after that third RIT goal to make it 3-1. Mm-hmm. They're, they're being outshot 22-9, to nine, come back, and actually, <laughs> by the time it's all said and done, outshoot the RIT Tigers. Impressive. Um, we go to the um, the three on three, and lo and behold, in the three on three, they I alluded to it in the um, the interview after the game. It's a situation the Colonials look like now. They've been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only their third chance, their third opportunity to do three on three overtime, and the possession that they um, they kept the puck, the time they had it, and you know the way they were patient with it until the perfect opportunity came along. Um, you know, they didn't give it back quick when they had it. They they didn't just become impatient, throw it on the net, and just pray to the you know pray to the hockey gods that it went in and go and you know, take your chances on a face off. Um, they were calculating with it, 
and they're doing the proper things, going back and recycling in neutral if it wasn't there, going back even one more zone and getting, getting new players on just to make sure they get the right pieces that they want um, instead of trying to dart the other way and you know try to pick up a cheap two-on-one like you see a lot of players and teams try to do in the three-on-three overtime. They were very calculating, very patient, and the patients got rewarded. Um, Nick Perkusik, uh, what a shot, what a goal. Um, great to see him come through and, and you know, earn the well-deserved game winner right there. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you get the two. You get you get the two points that are very important this weekend, um, out of the four. And you know it's been a rough stretch for them. But looking forward, Holy Cross coming up. Uh, the team they played, I believe, what four or five matchup last season. Yes. And uh, <laughs> let's talk about that series coming up. Don't look now at the Atlantic Hockey standings, but it's it's quite possible that might be a home playoff matchup for the Colonials if things were like to end right around now. I think. Uh, it would be close. Um, so it's within the realm that you might see Holy Cross again in, in the first round of the Atlantic Hockey Playoffs this year. Let's, well, you know, let's, well, well, Groundhog yeah, Day but, was about a, mu- a week ago. So. Right. <laughs> and well, here's what you're going to see, and this is going to be a very interesting weekend for the Colonials. I mean, you know, we know what um, we know Holy Cross does, and they're a they're a methodical team. They they like to play a, a strong, systematic approach. They rely a lot on defense. Um, it's not a team that really stands out with a lot of playmakers up top, but they've got you know players who can make plays. Having said that, so um, you're looking at a team right now that the Colonials probably should, if they're they're playing the best, if they play that, if they can play or replicate the performance from like the last you know 25 minutes of Saturday night's game, if they can do that twice, they're going to skate out of Holy Cross with two wins. Oh, and I apologize. Play- I apologize. The uh, the standings. I, yes. I forgot to date three points for the Atlantic hockey. So they're, they're currently mm-hmm. tied for sixth right now right. with air force. And right. they're only two points behind Bentley for that five spot and five points behind RIT. So I apologize right. about that. So, and kind of go, so go ahead. Right. And Holy Cross just, uh, if I remember correctly, just a couple points right behind them. So Holy Cross, um, uh, Canisius yeah. and Niagara, Niagara is right. 30 points. Canisius and Holy Cross have 29 points. So it could right. really turn sideways. In mm-hmm. this upcoming weekend, it, it really could. I mean, you know, you, you look at it like this. I mean, the Colonials could finish in, in the top five. It's conceivable could finish in the top five. Remember, they um, if it come down to a tie, uh, look at the games at Bentley. Robert Morris owns the tiebreaker against Bentley. So if they should, for some reason, become tied, bang, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, keep that one in mind. Um, but at the same time, you know, I I fully expect if they can play for two games, 120 minutes, the same way that they played the last. 25 minutes of that Saturday night game against RT. Mm-hmm. We're coming back to to Moon Township with six points on that bus on Saturday night. Yep, and they, you know, six points there puts them in 39, and and the way the standings look right now would put them in fourth over RIT. Yep. But they got to, you know, you got to yep. play the games and hope that the other teams fall. But you need to keep as many points as possible coming up. Right. So anything is possible right now. I, mean, I just want to point out though, this weekend, um, they, they had to get a lot of things done without some people in the lineup. And that is on um, both Bear brothers and Jake Coleman on Saturday. Um, you talk about three pieces that are really are huge for the colonials right now. You know, you get um, some skilled forwards and some, some scoring from the Bear brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Jake Coleman does a little bit of everything, whether it's penalty killing, blocking shots, um, agitating it under, underneath the skin of your opponent, mm-hmm. or you need energy, or you need a goal. You yeah. know, Jake Coleman's right there. He's kind of a player that does a little bit of everything, and, you know, we've come to, to know him and love him over the last four years. And his being out, you know, it makes, a, big of a, it makes a, a, a big difference or can make a big difference. They'd love to have him back. I hope um, whatever did happen, 
he's um he's well as well as the hey bear brothers we could use that um you know for this definitely this coming weekend and beyond if they're going to have success but um uh, that was a but I just want to say doing what they did Saturday night against RIT and that comeback mm-hmm. without those three pieces that speaks well right there. That's something that you can wear and say, look, I mean, even, you know, even though we don't have all of our pieces, we can still turn around against a team that's bigger, that has a lot of skill and is well coached and had a lot of momentum. And we can turn that game on a dime and make them go home either empty handed with a lot less points than they wanted, mm-hmm. um, even after being behind three one like that. That speaks funds right there. I'm hoping that confidence uh, returns to the lineup, and I'm hoping the scoring touch that that confidence, you know, hopefully brings from that win Saturday night, you know, touches the sticks of the of the skill guys and, and gives them what it takes to start really putting it in more consistently. Um, Derek Schooley, I think he's been looking for answers, and um, you know, no coach knows them all. And I think that it's a, probably a frustrating thing for him. It's a frustrating thing for everybody. They're getting the shots. They're out shooting their opponents now. And it's been, you know, this is a, a, a thing that it's not just a, a one-off here and there. They're consistently out shooting their opponents now. And they're owning more zone time. And they're getting the chances. And they're out chancing their opponents as well. Why it's not going in. And what they want to, you know, talk about hot goalies, puck luck, or what. I don't really know. But, you know, it, it, you get the feeling yeah, if it is puck luck and turns around quick, God help whoever they play next. Um, you know, but hopefully this is this does give sometimes all you need is a little bit of confidence and it comes mm-hmm. right back to you. You know, and that's that's hopefully the, a good sign to springboard them into the rest of the schedule. All right, that's Gary Heem and I am Brian Mitchell. Gary, thanks for coming on with us. The uh, we got you a little bit of extra time. You went over our allotted time, but that's worth it because oh, for good hockey talk, you did good though. <laughs> you did good this week. I am Brian Mitchell. That is Gary Heeman. We will be back on the PhD podcast. And I would like to thank Gary Heeman for joining me here on the PhD podcast. Um, Matt Mamros for all of his work on keeping us updated around the region. And Ed Major for coming on live for one of the first times on the PhD podcast. I am Brian Mitchell. This was the PhD podcast for the week of February 9th. I will see you in the rink. Berg Hockey Live on Monday night. It will be North Allegheny and Bethel Park. And then Central Valley and Avonworth. We will see you in a couple weeks, but please tune in for Berg Hockey Live tomorrow. Take care, guys.